Welcome to episode one of the Next Leadership Academy podcast, focusing on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. This is Cody Phillips. I'm joined alongside my co-host, Chad Jones. Hello, everyone. First, I'd like to thank our foundational sponsors who power the Next Academy, Graybar Electric, Southwire, Milwaukee Tool, and Thomas and & Betts. Given that this is our first episode, I felt it would be best to introduce ourselves, give, give a little background context as to uh, who we are and discuss the value add that we feel this podcast can have for the listener on a personal and professional level. Chad, let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, what your role is here as Executive Director at Western Pennsylvania DECA, and your strategic involvement with the kickoff of the Next Leadership Academy. Absolutely. Uh, well, for me, I started in the industry as a staff associate in Manhattan, in New York City, where I lived at the time. I was hired as the assistant director of the Boston chapter, Nika, uh, following that. And I lived in Boston for close to five years before relocating to Pittsburgh to work for an electrical contractor in the position of business development. Um, that was a key time period for me and my education in the industry, certainly um, having spent time in the staff associate program and as the assistant in Boston, learning a little bit about um, the association side and labor relations for sure. But spending uh, time working in the contracting firm helped to open my eyes um, about where the needs are within the contracting business and how perhaps the chapter could help support those needs and better service the member. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm married to a girl from Pittsburgh. Uh, we have three children and reside here in the South Hills of Western Pennsylvania. Um, following working for the contractor, I, I became the executive director of the Western Pennsylvania chapter, and my role there encompasses many things. Certainly the core of what the chapter does in my role is labor relations, working closely with our partners in labor and representing management's interests in the industry. However, I'm a firm believer that the role of the NECA chapter and its staff must evolve for the most part, chapters operate similar to how they operated 30 years ago, and a lot of that is procedural and systematic. I certainly understand that, but I see this as a growing threat to our association and our ability to connect and provide value to future generations of electrical contractors. The chapter itself, in my personal opinion, needs to evolve in the role that it plays in advancing the technical and electrical contracting industry. So this leads me to the next academy, which is a good example of, of the chapter evolving in the programs that can be provided uh, to our electrical contractors. Next is, is a leadership academy. It's devoted to um, the, the C-suite, really, of the electrical contracting company. And it, it takes an in-depth look at real-life business practices and applies them to the contracting firm in the environment in which they operate. And I think this is important because... Many of us have, have certainly gone through um, a one-day or two-day seminar and heard really cool business practices and things that we could take home and, and develop our, our education on. And, and if we're really devoted, um, pick up some more literature on and, and research it. Next takes one of those topics and basically spends three months on that topic. Um, and, and it does it in a manner in which it provides the – the opportunity for the contractor to really apply the lesson um, in his contracting firm or to analyze it within his firm. And so it's, it's kind of a concept of learn it on Monday, apply it on Tuesday and, and, you know, track what's happening. And because things don't work the first time out, they often have to be applied several times 
and reread and rearranged before you you're able to actually get the value out of the lesson. So so next is in depth and it does take a year to to get through the course, but we believe it provides an opportunity for electric electrical contractors to take a step back, take a really good look at their people, their culture, their company and get an understanding of where they are in the business environment today and and we believe that we're adding value certainly to our electrical contractors through this program. Yeah, I mean, from from the beginning, just to piggyback off that, I mean, I think it has been our goal to add as much value as possible uh, to our contracting members and how important it is to be able to um, not only justify the membership, but let them really feel the value and see it with our own eyes. I mean, our goal is to help in any way we can. And next you know, is a part of that. The next academy is an intimate twelve-month training ground, you know, specifically built for them. Uh, to my knowledge, there's nothing else like it within the industry. The why behind it was pretty easy. If you look at the research, um, only thirty percent of family-owned businesses survive into the second generation. Even more frightening, only twelve percent survive into the third generation. Uh, for you and I, in a concerted effort to attack some of these challenges, the next academy was born, and really that is where the academy uh, started. And let me just say this about about Chad for uh, listeners from a business perspective. Um, you know, he's established a culture here at, at the Western PA chapter that empowers others within our organization to act and has instilled that belief that that staying on offense is really our lifeblood. And we'll, we'll touch on uh, staying on offense and, and our importance on that as we move forward. Um, really, for me, it's a relentless pursuit of improvement, uh, seeing through the windshield instead of the rear view. Um, so he, is, he has laid that groundwork along with our board of directors, and um, we feel that it can add value to the listeners um, and in their personal and professional lives. And I, again, am Cody Phillips. I'm the assistant director here at NECA. Chad and I have worked together since 2014, but have known each other since 2003. Um, my role here at NECA is focused on day-to-day operations, the tech side of what we do, web and chapter mobile app, educational services, social media, marketing, and event planning for our membership. So we do have a unique setup here in our chapter. Uh, I think a lot of the, um, I would say the the typical NECA chapters, if they do have an assistant director, uh, oftentimes that director is doing exactly what um, the executive director is doing and essentially um, mirroring uh, their responsibilities. And um, our unique setup has allowed us to to move faster and has allowed us to not only build off each other's strengths, but help mitigate our weaknesses as well, in my opinion. Um, at the next academy, uh, I'm in charge of, of the website development, uh, the initial structural design of the academy, content delivery strategies, handle all the social media activity, control the brand really to the masses. I view myself as a chief creative uh, officer for next. Uh, it's very similar to my role at NECA, quite frankly, but I have more impact to shape the day-to-day vision of next, uh, in my opinion, uh, since what we've done has really, um, you know, created a startup within the walls of, of a NECA chapter that our board and obviously Chad and I feel is a significant value add to not only our members in Western PA, but also any NECA contractor uh, throughout the country. So 
we are definitely excited about um, the Academy. We're excited about this podcast. We feel this is going to give us a great opportunity to have special guests that can relate to construction leadership, uh, relate to brand growth, which I feel encompasses marketing, public relations, advertising, how contractors are getting their message out there to the world in a in a uh, 2018 environment. Um, and then also focusing on staying on offense, which is what we're going to be talking about here today. Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Oh, have I got your attention now? Have I got your attention now? It's that time. Time for Straight Sauce, the segment of the show where Chad and I bring it straight at you. No rocks, no chaser. Straight up true sauce. Both Chad and I come from athletic backgrounds. We both heard the concept, the best defense is a good offense. In our opinion, staying on offense is a conscious choice in life and in business. We pride ourselves in our relentless pursuit of staying on offense as an association. One of the ways we do that is through our use of candor. Mr. Webster defines candor as frankness or the quality of, of being open and honest in expression. Chad first brought this concept to my attention during his master's degree work. Yeah, so Cody, uh, in the concept, in the, in, the, in the spirit of talking about staying on offense, um, offense is about speed and it's about tempo. And, and that is exactly... Uh, what we focus on here and candor is a magical ingredient to that. And I would implore uh, our listeners to look into it in their own companies. Jack Welch, the former chairman and CEO of General Electric called lack of candor, the biggest dirty little secret in business. Lack of candor basically blocks smart ideas, fast action, and good people from contributing all they have. Um, you know, candor is a frankness. It's having difficult conversations with people and speaking with transparency um, to them. Uh, but an example of how it cuts time and, and allows you to move quicker is when you have a culture that welcomes candor, you have the ability um, as an organization to move so much faster than more than likely your competitors that don't have that culture. So a prime example of that, Cody, would be uh, you're working on a project or you have an idea and you come down you come down to my office and you start to pitch me on the idea and you tell me what you're working on and, and what you're doing and the steps you're taking to execute it. And while you're talking, I'm thinking of things that I don't like about it or I'm thinking of things that you're going to get hung up on. Um, but maybe for political reasons or for for reasons that I don't want to disrupt your thought process or I can make any excuse in the book to not tell you how I feel because it's, all, it's a heck of a lot easier. Right. And so what I do is I wind up thinking a bunch of things that could probably help you, but I don't say them because it's easier not to. And you go down the road of working on this. Three weeks later, when you bring me the final product, I, I, I have no choice but to share with you what I think. Mm -hmm. I've wasted your time. I've wasted the organization's time because now you're going to have to start over. So candor is transparency in a conversation 
and me telling you exactly how I feel the moment you come in, being up front and being frank with you. No games, no politics, no, no bureaucratic process or reasoning uh, for deferring the conversation. So you get right to it. And in our industry with labor relations and certainly with driving an organization forward in, on the NECA side of things, in my opinion, if you can add candor to the equation and cut time and get to the point, everything we're about right now is speed up tempo. I don't right. need, I don't need to take three months to execute something that can take three weeks. Right. And that's, and that's the bottom line. And when you look at most of the things that we set out to accomplish, there are things that believe me, if we, if we want to, we can take three months to work on them. We can play the game and I can tell you why we need to go through a certain process and why it's important to do this. What's, what's important is executing the plan and ex- executing it um, in a timely manner. So, it's a killer when there's lack of candor or no candor. People just don't open up. They keep their mouths shut in order to make people feel better or to avoid conflict. Worse, they sugarcoat bad news in order to maintain appearances. And I, I can tell you this, Cody, if you haven't seen this within our organization um, by now, then we're not doing our job. But you can forget about outside competition when your own worst enemy is the way you communicate with one another internally. Yeah. Yeah. So candor gets more people in the conversation. It generates speed. And, uh, and quite frankly, I believe it cuts costs. You get the information you need from your employees now, and you execute today rather than weeks or months down the road when you've lost money, momentum, and morale in the process. Um, you and I have both been in plenty of meetings uh, where we have attended with peers and other professionals where everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, but no one will say it. Right. <laughs> we know those meetings, they're time killers. And eventually you realize that people simply don't speak because it's easier not to. And that to me, if if there's one thing you can implement um, in your organization, it's a culture of candor and speaking frankly. And Cody, for for us, it's really about, can I get 100% of your brain? Um, Most people will take 30 to 40% of it because what they want to do is they want to hear what you want to say, but honestly, while you're saying it, they're thinking of a response to you. So they're not even listening. Yeah. And, and their response is to stunt you or to block you from finishing your thought for personal reasons, be it politics or anything else. They're going to try to get you to not finish that thought because they're already on to something else. The reality is, is I want 100 percent of your opinion. Then I'm going to give you 100 percent of mine. And then collaboratively, we're going to we're going to develop the plan and the response. And I, I you, you know that I swear by this, that cuts weeks, months and time out of the equation for execution. Yeah, to me, it's about transparency. Um, it's having the little conversation before it gets to be a big conversation. It's about time. Uh, it's being, you know, I think one of the, I would say one of the key catalysts for our success here has been the transparency between you and I, the transparency between ourselves and our staff, the transparency between us and our board of directors that has allowed us to strategically implement things uh, at a pace, quite frankly, that others haven't. And I think candor is a big part of that. Katie Burke, the chief people officer at HubSpot, she summarizes radical candor, uh, candor perfectly in my opinion She says, here's the basic idea. The best people you work with care deeply and personally about employees they manage and collaborate with on a regular basis. But they also take the time, energy, and investment to challenge those employees directly. 
giving direct feedback is hard, and I understand why managers would opt to water it down. Maybe they don't want to disrupt the team's dynamic, or maybe they're just not comfortable having those difficult conversations. But I cannot emphasize this enough. Skimping on constructive feedback does a huge disservice to the growth of your colleagues and company. At the end of the day, you want to help people around you and solve your company's mission. Do your part to make it by practicing candor and creating an environment that encourages it. Listen, if you want to stay on offense, begin to incorporate candor into your managerial style. Although difficult at times, you will dictate the pace of the game, whatever the game may be that you're playing, and continue positive forward momentum. Of tempo, man. That's what it's all about. Today, we are happy to introduce our first guest, Michael Callanan, or let me rephrase, Dr. Michael Callanan, who just last week defended his dissertation to earn his EDD from the Executive Leadership Doctoral Program in Human and Organizational Learning at George Washington University. Michael holds two other master's degrees in executive leadership and political science. Currently, Mike is the director of the Next Academy, where he delivers all webinar content, as well as leading face-to-face sessions at both 2018 host locations in Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. His work in the construction industry dates back to 1985, where he completed the apprenticeship program with IBEW Local 98 and the Pendell Jersey chapter of NECA in Philadelphia. Since then, he served as the executive director of the Electrical Training Alliance, formerly known as the National Joint Apprenticeship and Training Committee for 10 years. The ETA is responsible for developing the national curriculum and training materials for over 40,000 apprentices and 300 training centers in the U.S. and Canada. Following his time at the ETA, Mike served as the CEO of Mosaic Learning. Mosaic develops custom learning management systems, training programs, and solutions for a wide range of clients, both inside and outside the construction industry. Um, On a quick side note, Mosaic Learning also was instrumental in the development of the NECA chapter mobile application that is currently available to all NECA chapters in the country and is essentially a Swiss Army knife for member services. The app has legitimately changed the game for our chapter here in Western Pennsylvania and has taken all that is NECA and put it in the contractor's pocket when they need it. Uh, If you don't have it, you should. It will add immediate value to your NECA membership. So if you're a contractor listening to the podcast today, make sure you ask your NECA chapter executive uh, about it. Uh, Mike has spent the past few years as owner of his own consulting company, MC3 Consulting, where he has specialized in working hand-in-hand with contractors of all shapes and sizes. I've heard him explain the importance of getting the right people in the right seats on the bus to have an organization of excellence. We certainly feel that we've done that here at the Next Academy with you as our director. Good morning, Michael, and thanks for joining us as the first ever guest of the Next Academy podcast. I certainly feel when you look back on this day, you will hold it in high regard as a career highlight. Well, good morning, Cody. It's good to be with you again, and uh, you never forget uh, your first. That's right. That's right. So uh, the way I like to format the interviews for our podcast, ask uh, a few specific questions to our guests and then end with a final question that we will ask all our guests on the program. Um, So let's get started here. So 
just so the listeners have a little background, why don't you tell them what your role is as the director of the Next Academy? Sure, I'd, l- I'd, I'd love to do that. Just like uh, every one of our participants wear a lot of ha- I wear a lot of hats as they wear a lot of hats in their electrical contracting business. You know, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, I began working uh, hand in hand with the Next Academy leadership uh, to develop the curriculum and content uh, for the Next Academy. And I think this was a critical part of our development phase. We we're trying to ensure that we could have empirical research supporting the development of the Next Academy, but framing it in a way that it could be most beneficial uh, for our electrical contractor participants in there. So uh, from that, it's evolved now. As you mentioned, I also am involved directly with uh, facilitating and teaching uh, both the 12 face-to-face sessions and the 24 online sessions. And I imagine this role will continue to evolve as the next academy grows. Uh, We've already begun to begin thinking about uh, the next academy faculty and how we can begin to uh, add to the faculty to the next academy. And ultimately, that will lead into some uh, train-the-trainer opportunities to work directly with the full faculty of the next academy. Hey, Mike, how you doing? This is uh, Chad. Uh, Good to have you on this morning. Good morning, Chad. How's it going? It's going well, thanks. Uh, Given your background, how have you married the practicality of those experiences with a doctorate level of education to reach next participants? You know, that's a great, great question, Chad. But I think all of us, you know, the Next Academy and and myself have been on uh, the same page from the start. You know, each of us have agreed that this was going to be an academy uh, built for construction executives by construction executives. And, And that's more than a tagline. That's an underwriting Uh, philosophy about Next Academy. As I've talked to the first groups of participants, uh, this is not an exercise in uh, theoretical uh, leadership. This is about uh, how we can work on a weekly, monthly basis to ensure that each of our contractors is building a sustainable and profitable uh, long-term business. You know, many of these participants are second, third, in one case, fourth generation um, family members in their businesses. So uh, what I think is really important for me, you know, as the facilitator and director is to ensure that we, we marry up the empirical research, the theoretical knowledge that we know about these constructs, but we put it into the practical world uh, of the electrical contractor in the world that we live in uh, each and every day. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head here, uh, right there. And, you know, as we looked back at 2017, it was really a year of preparation, uh, content creation and theory. And although, you know, we're still in the embryonic stages, um, I know it's gratifying for me. I'm just I'm just curious how gratifying has it been for you to see the conceptual ideas that, you know, we spent essentially an entire year working on become real life here in 2018. Yeah, you know, I think thinking back uh, to even November, December, you know, we're so anxious to get started and there was nothing like that first WebEx and then the first face-to-face class to see this come um, to to fruition after, you know, a year of preparation and all the work uh, that you guys did and and the board did in designing uh, the next Academy. So, you know, I think it was really exciting to get started, but it really didn't hit me until, you know, I had an opportunity as part of the next Academy. We worked you know, individually, one-on-one with all of the participants throughout the year. And to start uh, the, the year, uh, we scheduled, uh, you know, one hour, one-on-one time with each of the participants and to hear their stories and, and just to be able to be 
uh, witness the, the the things that they're bringing, the background they're bringing into it, what they're doing to to, to build companies that really make a difference for our industry and for the, the men and women, the, the lives of the families that work for uh, was really exciting. And then just just in the last couple of weeks, you have a number of, as I mentioned, second, third generation uh, daughters and sons whose grandparents and, and, and great grandparents started their businesses to talk with them about how this next Academy content is helping prepare them to carry into the third and fourth generation. To me, that's really fulfilling. Honestly, this is this is probably the most uh, fulfilling thing I've done in my professional career, and really excited to be associated with this. Mike, the the uh, the the one thing I've noticed in just watching the class, um, both online and in the face to faces, is it seems to be this um, struggle of getting the participant to think um, outside of patterns. Meaning, so much of their life is about a process and a pattern within their own company and and how they understand their current business or the market that they're in, but trying to open them up to the world of thought that says you don't have to stick with these mental patterns. And when you get off of these patterns and open up your horizons, these are the tools you're going to want to lean on to help guide you along the way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and all of us, you know, whether we're electrical contractors or whatever role we play um, are, are victims of the success of the past. And I say that meaning that, you know, as we build successful careers, we tend to frequently rely on those mental models and the schema that, that got us to where we're at, which is all well and good if the world stayed the same. But as we know, and our contractors remind us frequently, that's not happening. So, you know, what, what you identify is a key challenge for us. And, you know, and right off the bat in Foundation One, we tackle this, this importance of enabling leadership the role that, that these young men and women, the future leaders, and some senior leadership, which is really interesting. It, it works wonderfully in the class because we have some senior leaders who've been built with their company and companies. In some cases, they were the first generation started their businesses uh, in with second, third, younger uh, folks in there. So, so this is an academy that attracts both senior leaders and, and emerging leaders. And when you put those together, um, what really comes out is, is really an interesting you know, a description of the challenges we have faced. And in this enabling leadership model, you know, I, I encourage each of them to think of their role. Their role is to see around the corners, to begin to identify these patterns, uh, to look for weak signals out there that can help them, you know, chart the future of their, their companies uh, and do so before uh, their competitors do. So it really is this pull of the past, the success of what we did, and, and being able to escape from that when, when the situation, when the industry, when our customers demand something different. Yeah, I mean, I think that is, uh, that is so on point and timely. And I think, Chad, that was a really good question because it is, it is definitely um, something that has come up. And it is a challenge that each of us face, not only in our, our, our professional lives, but also our personal life. Uh, so, Mike, I know we're early, but where, you know, where do you see this thing in three years? Well, you know, I think I think all of us are on the same page that uh, we'll never lose sight of our primary uh, driver and goal and objective in the next academy. And, and that's to help, you know, each each person working within the electrical industry and these electrical contractor roles, whether they be project managers, estimators, C-suite leaderships, the presidents, uh, the CEOs of their company, to help them build a sustainable and profitable uh, company. And, and I think 
you know, they're working on that every day on the operational side. But what the next academy adds to this is saying, well, let's look behind the curtain and look at constructs like leadership, change management, organizational learning. In each of these cases, you know, the leadership uh, constructs are built around the idea that you can build a competitive advantage into your company by learning faster than your competition, by managing change more efficiently and effectively than your competition, by having a bench full of leaders, young men and women that are ready to take your company into the next uh, direction uh, that you need to. So hopefully we're convincing uh, these folks as we go about that importance. So I, I don't anticipate that that will ever deviate. Having said that, you know, we live in a VUCA world, a world that's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, it's ambiguous. And so I anticipate that the next academy will continue to evolve and change as our industry continues to evolve and change. In our third foundation, we handle the importance of disruptive innovation. And, and each day our industry is challenged with technological uh, disruptions like BIM, prefab, integrated project delivery. And so the next academy I anticipate will continue to evolve to match the complexity of the world that our contractor is living. Uh, third, you know, personally, you know, I, I can see this right off the bat in our first foundation. And we, we do a lot of reflection and work in our leadership journal. I would love to see us continue to find ways that we can get fuller integration of the next academy with our EC uh, contractors, you know, obligations, roles in the business. When we can tie our participants' work in the next academy mm -hmm. to new strategic plans, to new change management efforts, and we get a closer integration between what they're learning in the next academy and what they're doing on their jobs in their companies, I think that's going to help really uh, spread uh, the growth of the next academy. And, and, and lastly, you know, I think ultimately, as the world continues to become more specialized, more diverse, that we're going to need to build uh, a next academy that reflects that. And that, that's going to be uh, built around faculty that has expertise in some of these technological innovations. So, you know, if we're tackling integrated project delivery or if we're tackling BIM, then, you know, I see, you know, roles for faculty that can specifically add to the expertise around these leadership constructs with some of these areas. So I think it's going to end up uh, evolving into a, a full and robust uh, next Academy faculty that enables us to really dial in on these topics that our electrical contractor participants are facing. Yeah, I think the structure, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the structure right now is definitely lending itself uh, to that concept moving forward. So the, the podcast that Chad and I are doing is really focused on construction leadership, brand growth, and then, you know, something that Chad and I feel is very important is staying on offense, uh, you know, keeping the momentum moving forward. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the last thing I want to do is I want to have a question that we ask every single guest. And I think at the end of the year, it'll be really unique to see, um, you know, kind of what everybody's answers are, because I do think it's an important question to ponder. And if you don't have an answer, that's understandable. But I have a feeling you do knowing you. But I think everyone should consider um, what is their own personal leadership philosophy, more or less, what is Mike Callanan's mission statement? Hmm. Well, I, I don't know that uh, anyone's ever asked me that, Cody. That's interesting. You know, I, I teach, you know, almost a dozen different leadership models and, and what I've discerned from these different leadership 
models is, I guess, a couple principles that when I'm working one-on-one with, uh, you know, future emerging leaders, I do some work in personal coaching mm-hmm. and areas like that. And what I try to convey to the participants is a couple things, you know, more broadly than that. One, I, I think I would say that what I've learned is that there's an inner and an outer game to leadership. Uh, leadership is about learning behaviors, recognizing these different um, situations that you're placed in. So there's that outer competency-based approach to leadership. But equally important, if not maybe even more important, is the inner game of leadership. And so what I've learned is leadership is as much about who you are as what you do. Mm-hmm. And all of us are strengths of uh, and we're patchworks, rather, of these strengths and weaknesses. And I encourage every new and emerging leader, even senior leaders, to, to, to reflect on those pieces because the inner game drives the outer game. And if you have weaknesses in your leadership uh, and, and in yourself, they'll show up in your leadership. And they show up, unfortunately, at the worst times. Right. You know, one, of, one of the writers that, and, that we work on is a guy named Kevin Cashman. And Cashman describes leadership as being the full expression of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you lead, it's who you are exposed for everyone to see. Yeah. And I think it's important that leaders really come uh, to grips early in their, in their development while understanding that. You know, secondly, I think objectively, leaders, leaders really have a mission of creating more leaders. It, it, it's really, you know, and you see things that we cover like servant leadership models mm-hmm. and authentic leadership models. But I really believe that the, the primary role of leaders is to help their, their you know, co-teammates and the, fir- the folks that they work with. I don't want to use the followers because it tends to sound pejorative, but those <laughs> that they work with, the leader's responsibility is to kind of help them see a vision of themselves that they didn't know existed. And, and I tried to do this in my career at the NJTC and other places where I've led, try to help people see what they can be that uh, they have their own blinders to and are unable to see. And then lastly, you know, I really believe that, that leaders are made. This is a practice uh, that every one of us um, can be, be better at. And it's really mm-hmm. about becoming an effective leader. And, and so my, my own personal mission about that, I guess, is really kind of the intersection of, one, you've got to commit to lifelong learning. You know, leadership is a journey. And, and each one of our 30-plus our participants so far that I've encountered, everyone has got a deep commitment uh, to lifelong learning. And I, I've had that uh, my entire life and, and, and don't see any reason why that would stop. Secondly, I think there's just got to be a passion. You really have to love what you do uh, and really believe that you can make a difference in what you do. I mean, I left the best job I ever had, thought I would ever have as executive director of the NJTC Electrical Training Alliance, because I believed that this industry, that NECA, that the IBW desperately needed to recognize that ultimately our success or failure was going to boil down to how well we did in confronting these leadership challenges for our industry. And this is a perfect place, I think, to have this play out in the next academy. And then lastly, you know, personally, my mission has always been about just driving excellence in anything I do. And I'm so really privileged to be (laughs) associated with you guys in the next academy because I know you are committed to that same level of excellence in everything you guys do as well. Well, Listen, I mean, and I, Chad, you can add anything, but for me, number one, we appreciate all you've done to this point. Um, 
definitely want to make sure that that is on record. And and thank you for taking the time here this morning. I know uh, that you're incredibly busy, but you know, just thank you so much for all that you have done and uh, continue to do for next. I mean, we're truly, uh, really lucky to have you, and we're proud of you. Um, congratulations on your doc- doctorate. I know how much work uh, that went into that, and um, uh, know that we were all here uh, supporting you as much as possible from, from many, many miles away. So thank you very much uh, for your time. Yeah, Mike. Uh, thank you. I just echo uh, echo Cody's uh, in- encouragement there, and thanks um, and congratulations on achieving that lifelong goal. That's outstanding, and uh, really happy to have you a part of the program. Um, definitely, I think that the program represents a lot of what you just spoke on, and I see it as a step in breaking a pattern of how we learn um, on the management side. and And I think it's important to learn it there first, because if we're going to work collaboratively with our labor partners. I think it's really important that they see that we, we're willing to uh, break these habitual patterns to change, to grow, so that we can take on our competition. Um, you know, at some point, you look at our industry and you sit back and you say, you got to stop talking about the problem at some point, and you got to start working on yourself to meet the challenge and meet the problem. And I really believe that this is a first step in that process. And there's many more steps to come in different areas. But I think step one is working on yourself and improving yourself. Step two will be uh, working on the other areas of those issues. But the thing that I like the most about it is that we're not sitting around talking about problems. We're working on them. That was Next Academy Director Michael Callanan. Guy is such a dynamic leader. I certainly hope you took some tangible lessons from that that you can embed into your own life that will enable you to become a better leader. Let me leave you with this quote from Jocko Willink. For those of you uh, that aren't familiar, Jocko is a former Navy SEAL officer, best-selling author, and host of the top-rated Jocko podcast. He's a beast, and I mean that in the most uh, flattering sense possible. This quote is pulled from his New York Times bestseller, Extreme Ownership, How Navy SEALs Lead and Win. Quote, leaders must own everything in their world. There is no one else to blame. That is extreme ownership. Let's face it. At the end of the day, when we lay our heads on that pillow, it's on us. No pointing fingers. No looking around for others. It's about accountability. About responsibility. About owning our lives. We'll see you next time on the Next Academy podcast where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. See ya. Oh, Father, tell me, do we get what we deserve? Oh, we get what we deserve. And where down we go, go. Oh.